You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to Bad Manners. This is the podcast that takes you inside Britain's stately homes and tells all the tales the guidebooks don't. My name is Tom Horton and I'll be your host. As a comedian, I'm not really bothered about the facts and figures, I just want the juicy stuff. So I'm on a mission to find out the frightening, filthy and downright jaw-dropping stories of these stately homes and the people in them. You must be Tom. You must be Jane. I'm, I'm Jane. How nice you to meet you. Jane. I am. Hello. You, Hello. Sorry well. about the dirty car. This is your carriage. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I just thought you might stand here for ages waiting for a taxi. This is rural Gloucestershire. And, <laughs> you know, there's no taxi rank. There's a bus every now and then, but whatever. <laughs> In this episode, we're venturing to Barclay Castle, an 11th century medieval fortress located in the town of, you've guessed it, Barclay, which is in Gloucestershire, England. OK, shall we, shall we walk in through the Bailey Gates? Please. So we're, we're walking through the Bailey Its Gates. rich history spans nearly a thousand years, which is a lot longer than King Edward II managed to last, as in 1327, he fell victim within its walls to one of the most brutal murders of any monarch throughout history, allegedly. Part of the reason the castle has stood for so long is down to it being made completely Welsh-proof and virtually impenetrable to oncoming invasions from across the border. It's decked out with an assortment of trip steps, arrow slits, murder holes, enormous barred doors and portcullises that would give even the kid from home alone a run for his money. Thankfully, now the castle is inhabited by the much less violent Barclay family, who have lived in it for over 850 years. I'm here with Jane Handel, a guide here at Barclay Castle. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me. That's a pleasure. Welcome to Barclay. Thank you very much for having me. Now, can I just go right back to the very beginning? Let's see how it was built, why it was built, when it was built. Well, soon after the Norman Conquest in 1066, there was probably a Motton Bailey, a wooden castle on this site, because that's what William the Conqueror did. He told mm. all his people to go out and build castles to secure the country. And in the second half of the 12th century, the stone castle replaced an earlier Motton Bailey wooden castle. The castle was built, or the keep, the, the original, the oldest part of the castle, was built by a merchant from Bristol called Robert Fitzharding. And he is the ancestor through about 28 generations of the current Barclay family who still 
live here. Wow. He was given the honour of Berkeley by King Henry II when he came to the throne in 1154 because he had supported Henry and his mother Matilda during the anarchy, that early civil war between the cousins who were the grandchildren of William the Conqueror who couldn't decide who should sit on the throne of England. Was that Matilda and Stephen? That's correct, Matilda and Stephen. Stephen, I always thought, was a really dodgy name for a king. <laughs> doesn't seem right, does it? We haven't it? had many since, have no, we? No, <laughs> Henry's, George's, Edward's, Stephen. Stephen never seemed to fit perfectly, so I think Matilda was, yeah. Um, anyway, she never got to sit on the throne, <laughs> but her cause did win the day. But it was her son, Henry, who became Henry II, the first Plantagenet King of England. And he rewarded those people who'd supported their cause. And he rewarded Robert Fitzharding with the honor of Berkeley and tasked him with building a stone castle here on this site. Now, Berkeley, uh, it lies in the Vale of Berkeley, but on a little natural mound, a bit of high ground above water meadows, only about a mile from the River Severn, and we're almost exactly halfway between Bristol to the south and Gloucester to the north. So it was a very important strategic place to build a castle. We look across the River Severn at the Forest of Dean and Wales, and as you pointed out earlier, it was important to keep those Welsh out. Welsh actually means a foreigner, so... Does it? I didn't Even know then that. we wanted to keep foreigners out. <laughs> Relax is the word. Really? What does Scottish mean? Proper foreigner. <laughs> then, Beyond the pale, yeah, I think. And Irish, just forget about it. <laughs> Stay your side of the sea, <laughs> yes. And, and so this was an important strategic castle at that time. And then through the centuries, the family have continued to own it and live in it. It was attacked during the Civil War. George Barclay at that time, he had a foot in both camps. I think the family have been quite canny, diplomatic, perhaps we should say, over the years. George Barclay in the 17th century, he supported Charles I, the, the royalist cause, but he did sit in Parliament as well. So he sort of had a foot in both camps. And so when the parliamentarians attacked Barclay in 1645, he knew exactly what would probably happen to the castle, it would be destroyed. So he pleaded, he negotiated with Parliament and persuaded them not to destroy his castle. And they allowed him just to breach the wall. Now, when we go outside and have a walk around, I can point out the breach in the wall to you, which still stands there today. And in fact, it's still governed by an act of Parliament, which says that the family are not allowed to rebuild it, except with parliamentary government permission. If parliamentary government permission is anything like getting planning permission on my road, I'm sure Ron at number 35 will have something to say about it. I'd like to know a bit more about Robert Fitzharding, about his background. So he was obviously known for being very good at building. Well, he was a merchant and in fact, he was of Saxon English stock. His family hadn't come over with the Conqueror. They were already here. In fact, his not sure if it was his grandfather or great-grandfather, had been a staller for Edward the Confessor. I think that means in charge of the horses, so right. probably quite important. Mm -hmm. So he was of a family that was accepted by the Normans, but he was not of Norman origin. So the Barclays are, are English 
through and through. Hence why they hate the Welsh so much, I guess. <laughs> oh, we like the Welsh now. We, we welcome like the everybody Welsh here. Doing? Good. Well, we've built those two bridges for them just down the river, haven't we? Oh, yes. Um, what are those two bridges called? <laughs> the Seven Crossings. The Seven Crossings. <laughs> the first one and the second one. <laughs> and Welsh are welcome. They are. Everybody's <laughs> welcome here. So we're about to be taken by you, Jane, around to the front of the castle to the Bailey Gates. That's right. We'll go through the outer Bailey. Norman castles really consisted of a keep, the central stronghold. They were built as fortresses, as defensive buildings principally, surrounded by a series of baileys or courtyards. So we'll go through the outer Bailey. Okay, I'm excited to go. I think we should start. Take me away. (laughs) (laughs) Follow me. (laughs) So, Jane, you're about to take me up some trip steps. I am. We're going to go up into the keep. Do we hold hands? What do I do? (laughs) How do I brace myself on this? Well, you go behind me and I fall. When I fall, I fall. Right. Onto you. <laughs> I see. So I, I'm the I'm the cushioning, am I? <laughs> you are. Okay. Um, these these steps up into the keep because all the rooms in the keep are from the first floor onwards, so it's solid down below. So it makes it an even stronger building. Yeah. Um, so nothing on the ground floor, but the steps there are about 24 of them. I don't know if you can see about two thirds of the way up. There's a there's a bigger one. There's a certain amount of wear and tear because they oh, are yeah. quite old. So are they deliberately made at different heights yes, just to they check are. you? Yes, And they're called trip steps so that the idea was invading forces would come rushing in, right. wouldn't know the difference in height and would fall over and then could be dispatched. So I'm assuming that banister's new then. That banister is <laughs> 21st century and you can hang on to it. <laughs> OK, I will. We might need to. <laughs> Actually, this little lip going up into the the, the porch here That's is probably worse than the other steps because people are concentrating on the real trip steps and then they forget there's a little lip here. This is very so just true. be careful. How many injuries do you get a year at this castle? Um, well, we do warn everybody, <laughs> do, so yeah. we're not liable. <laughs> we're going up the steps and they are uneven, especially halfway up. There's a definitely larger one. Yes. There's also this archway here that is deceptively low. It so is. So that, that throws you off a bit as well. Well, if, if you... Um, you oh, hit your head. One thing I didn't point out that you need to see, which is the murder hole, which is There's just above hole. the third step here. So the idea was that if the steps didn't get you, then the slot bucket contents or the hot sand or so the... What, what do they throw down this hole? Anything they can get their hands on. Sticks and stones, hot sand, probably not boiling oil. It was expensive in that day. Preferably something you could sweep up and use again. But um, they would, they would, murder holes were very effective and inexpensive ways of pouring stuff down on people's heads who you hadn't invited. And then if, if you missed, the chances are that you would fall on the trip step yeah. anyway. Well, just to reiterate, thank you for inviting us. <laughs> we don't need <laughs> it's any called slot. a warm welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you fell on this step, yes. you've already noted the low thing there. It's very low, you can hit when your head When we on get that. up, there is an arrow slit right above our heads. So if you were sprawled on these upper steps, you could have a, a crossbow dart or yeah. an arrow right between your shoulder oh, blades. This is like Takeshi's castle here, but just English. English and with a bit more depth. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Speaking of death, we're about to hear about a pretty gruesome one. Allegedly. We've come up to the platform at the top of the steps. Yeah. And turning round, we've got a four building, which is what we've just walked up under. What's and that in that four building, um, at the end of a little passageway, is a door. Now, this leads into what was the guard room. It's very thin. For the door. castle. Yes, a narrow door. But this is the room in 1327 where Edward II is alleged to have been held for the last six months of his life. Oh, wow. The guards obviously had to go and have their tea break somewhere else, and Edward II was moved in here where he could be carefully guarded. Are we able to go in? No, we can't go in, but if we go into the keep, into what we call the King's Gallery, we can look through a window into the cell. So we're entering now the King's Gallery. Now, in this main part of the room, there is a small window with cross-stitched bars. And looking into it, it's saying this is the cell where the infamous murder happened of Edward II. So we're told, allegedly, yes. And as we look through the grill, we can see a rather lovely wire sculpture of a contemplative... Edward II, Mm, sitting at the table there, contemplating his fate. Hmm, yes, his fate. Trigger warning, I'm going to get a bit graphic now. I'm going to get a bit graphic now. See? The rumour has it that he was held face down on a bed and then a horn was inserted... Up his... in his anus. Up his anus, and then a red-hot poker then up the horn. That's right. Right to the top. Spit roast, alive. Oof. Yes. Like a giant human Grilled. kebab. It, yes. Why would they do that to him? Is this, I have to ask, because there were rumours of him being a homosexual. Is this sort of a... It might have been that the... Yeah. We don't know whether that is the method of his death. I don't think we'll ever know. 
a lot of people believe that he was probably just suffocated. They say just suffocated. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, they, they wanted to get rid of him. He'd been held prisoner here for nearly six months. And he, yeah, he was known as a pretty weak king, wasn't he? Yes, not, he, not he was. His father was Edward I, who was probably a model of medieval monarchy. He'd right. hammered the Scots. He'd built those amazing castles all the way around Wales. Yeah. He was a real medieval warrior king. And he must have been pretty disappointed in his son, I think, because Edward, who was the first English Prince of Wales, born in Carnarvon Castle, he preferred the life of the court. He preferred dancing and feasting and gardening, apparently. He liked hedging and ditching and was, was happier there than fighting battles. In fact, he lost a lot of the Scottish gains that his father had made. Oh, Bannockburn... Really? was uh, his great failure. So yes, he was a weak king, yeah. he was unpopular. And he surrounded himself at court with an entourage of young men favourites, which right. is, I think, where the rumours yeah. of homosexuality came sure. from. But was it courtly love? Was it brotherly love? Or was it more than that? The first favourite was Piers Gaveston, mm-hmm. who he was friendly with even when he was still Prince of Wales before Edward I died. And Edward I actually banished Gaveston to exile in France and says, don't ever come back to England again. Well, of course, once Edward I died and Edward II became king, first thing he did was bring Gaveston back. But he Mm. was very unpopular with the barons. The barons were a bit like Parliament, I suppose. They were supposed to be ruling England with the king. Yeah. And Edward was just uh, sidelining them and just giving possessions and power to his to Piers Gaveston and his favourites. And so yeah, the barons... So he wasn't very wise about how he went around it either. That's well, not he was very... a bit blatant, really. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a diplomat, I think, no. is, is what you're trying to say, which is are true. Ba- are the barons quite a toxically masculine bunch? Oh, I think so. They'd be all like... Yes. Right, OK. Yeah, I think so. And they had lands and they had agendas and they had interests and they didn't like it when their stuff was taken away from them. So eventually Gaveston was captured by the barons and he was executed... And then Edward took up with a a rather ruthless and brutal family from the Midlands called the Despensers. Hugh Despenser the Elder and his son Hugh the Younger. And they were, if anything, even more brutal than Gaveston had been. And they just ravaged around the Midlands, taking people's land and possessions And so the barons, I think you can understand why they got upset. The queen, Isabella, she also didn't like this behaviour because he was spending time with his mates and not with her. Not her. Yeah, I mean, it's looking looking quite like it's pointing towards the fact he might have been... (laughs) He might have been, but he was pretty brutal himself. I mean, there was nothing wimpish about Edward, I don't think. Oh, right, And I think when you read the histories, he did, you know, he was a pretty brutal fighter as well. Um, And Isabella, Queen Isabella, who was a French princess when he'd married her, she was only 12 when he married her, she escaped with her eldest son to France to the sanctuary of her brother's court. And there she met Roger Mortimer, who was the leader of the Barons faction. He was a marcher lord from the Welsh Herefordshire borders, a very powerful baron, and he fled the country. And they teamed up together. They became lovers and they gathered an army and they 
re-entered England in 1325-1326 and they were trying to find Edward to get rid of him and they did and eventually they did. and then Edward was brought here to Berkeley. Now why Berkeley? We're way out west, we're off the beaten track. If you've got a king to imprison you don't want to be him to be in full view of everybody so Kenilworth where he was originally on the main north-south axis was a bit blatant so he was moved here. Okay that was a lot of information Jane just threw at us so just to recap here are the cliff notes. Poor old Edward II was a crap king who didn't live up to his dad or the country's expectations. He preferred dancing and gardening to hammering the Scots and hanging out with other men to getting down with his wife, Queen Isabella. So, she buggers off to France, gets a new fella by the name of Roger Mortimer, then Izzy and Rog come back to England to chuck Edward off the throne and into prison. Edward II's been kept here for five months. Yes, between about April and September 1327. We believe in, well, we're told, in this room. Feeling um, pretty sorry for himself. Well, yes, feeling sorry for himself, wondering what's going to happen. Would he have been treated badly? Uh, no, it? he wasn't. Um, he'd been deposed as king. His young son, who was 14 or 15 at the time, had been crowned Edward III, another, another great warrior king. So it seems to skip generations. <laughs> but he was treated well. He was kept in honourable captivity. There are accounts here in the, in the archives of the castle showing the purchases for the kitchens and so on. And during the time he was here, there was a, a lot of meat bought, a lot of good food, a lot of bread baked. Uh, he had his own servants. He probably had a priest to come and give him mass. And so he wasn't by any means ill-treated until the very end. But it, I suppose what they hoped was that he would just pine away and die a natural death. He was a big man. His father had been over six foot three tall. He was known as Edward Longshanks. And Edward II was similarly a tall, healthy, vigorous man in his 40s. Mm -hmm. And he, he survived. And so something had to be done. So we presume it was Roger Mortimer who gave the order that he should be dispatched. And so do you basically think the reason they murdered him was because they were just fed up of him not dying himself? Yes, he was as a, <laughs> um, an ex-king who was still alive was a danger. So they all looked at their sundials and went, Jesus Christ, we've got to get this over and done with. Well, that's right, because his supporters could be reforming. Yes, right. They could, get the they could try and get him, uh, jump him and get him uh, escaped from here, and then he could challenge the throne. Because Edward III, to begin with, was a puppet king, a young teenager in Roger Mortimer and Queen Isabella's hands. So they didn't want that to, to change. So he'd been around too long and he had to go. And so on the night of the 21st of September, 1327, we're told that he was murdered here at Berkeley Castle by his jailers. Now, I don't think the fact that he died here is under dispute, but what is still contentious is exactly the nature of his going. What? Was it the Cluedo, you know, with, with the poker <laughs> in the cell in the castle, or was it the pillow in the, in the pantry? Who knows? 
I know the pillow in the pantry story has more credibility, but the red hot poker at the bum story has a red hot poker at the bum. Come on, Jane. Tell us what we want to hear. Lie to us, Jane. Lie, lie. Well, they didn't want to leave any mark on the body that he'd been tampered with in any way. To kill a king was not only treasonable, it was sacrilegious, which was the most important thing. Kings were ordained by God. Mm -hmm. And if you killed one, you were not only going against earthly power, you were going against heavenly power. And the afterlife was acutely important to the medieval person. So you couldn't leave a mark on the body. <sighs> Bit of a buzzkill, Jane, but okay, fair enough. I suppose if you don't want to leave a mark on the body, a red-hot poker up the backside isn't really going to work, especially if they were going to display the body like they did back then. Mind you, would they display his bum? They're hardly going to spread his cheeks at the funeral, are they? I reckon they could have gotten away with it, you know. Cowards. I think it would probably show in the face, wouldn't it? The grimace, the, the agony would, would probably to be spit roast. I your imagine entrails so. spit roast <laughs> would, would, would leave a mark on your, your face. Just a wry smile. <laughs> I, I personally, I hate to be a killjoy, well. but I think probably history, like life, is usually simple <laughs> and you do whatever's you know, the easiest and the simplest thing to do, yeah. which in this case would be to suffocate him in his bed so that they could say in the morning, oh, the king has died right. in his sleep. And that's the message yeah. that was put out. Rather you wouldn't, than, you wouldn't rather than be, he's, he's in a nasty fall by the fireplace. <laughs> Come quick. <laughs> This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Anyway, however he died, I think he was kept here for about 10 weeks. They were probably trying to work out the story and how they couched it and how they broadcast it. And uh, after that time, December 1327, he was taken to Gloucester, about 15 miles from here, and he was buried in St. Peter's Abbey. 
and you can still see his tomb today. Edward III had a magnificent alabaster and marble tomb created and a wonderful image of Edward, his father, Edward II, in the cathedral, which you can still oh. see today. And of course, it's funny, the cult of celebrity is nothing new, because yeah. although he'd been a not very popular king, once he died in suspicious circumstances, it creates an interest. Right. Yeah. And pilgrims flocked to Gloucester Cathedral to see really? this tomb and this, this, this king. And so Gloucester became hugely wealthy. Pilgrims are like tourists, they bring money. Uh, something to think about, at least. So if your town is in need of a financial boost, shove a poker up someone's ass, Or better yet, just say you did. Create some interest, get the tourists in, sell some T-shirts. Hey, it worked for Gloucester in 1327. I wonder how much money you could make off the back of a rumour like that. So is Edward II a big Gloucester celebrity? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, yep, yep. And um, people still go there to see his tomb. That's how Gloucester managed to uh, bring itself from a, a medieval monastery to that wonderful Gothic cathedral that we've mm. got today because they gained a lot of wealth from pilgrims and they could, you know, be leaders in perpendicular architecture. What? A cathedral? Bloody hell, why aren't we shoving pokers up each other immediately? We could be millionaires, or better yet, leaders in perpendicular architecture. We should probably say, before reaching for the poker, there was a plan A to get rid of Edward. We're told in some of the um, archives that Edward was kept next to a stinking pit. And, and this, this is dungeon, a stinking pit. Well, it's not stinking today, but it would have been back then. Mm. Um, it's what we call an oubliette. So it's a prison cell from which there is really no escape. From the French word oublier, to forget. Wow. So if you were thrown down here, it goes, it's a, it's, how would you describe it? it it's well, a it's, tunnel, it's a vertical it's a, tunnel. It's, a, it's just a semicircle, pretty much, but just a little yep. bit longer. Um, it's a bit like in um, The Dark Knight Rises, there's what they shove him down. It's a vertical drop straight down to, about, what, 10 metres? Yes, it goes down to the level of the courtyard. Now, some people say it was a well. There was a well in the keep, but it was in a different tower, a different turret. It may have been a well, but it would be pretty mucky water because it, yeah. doesn't, it would need to have gone a lot deeper below the courtyard level as well. And as far as we can see, it's very mucky and, and yeah. damp down there. How many people do you think they'd put down there at any given time? Is it just I, a one-person thing? Or oh, like no, I should 12? think, you know, if, it depends, you know, how many you'd captured or how many you'd, well, you'd if, if taken you put, off the streets. Well, I was about to say, if you put too many down, they could all get on each other's shoulders and come out. But also, there's going to be guards up here as well, <laughs> just course. to kick and stand And there would have been some kind fingers. of a trap door or a grill over the top. Oh, there would have, yeah. And you might have been injured being thrown down there. You might have been injured before you went down there. Your chances of survival were pretty slim. You'd actually, I, if I was going down there, I'd be jumping head first and hoping to get it over with. To well, be probably, <laughs> that's right. But it would have been very smelly, hence the stinking pit, because decomposing bodies, they oh probably God, used it as yeah. a rubbish tip, tipped all their, the contents of their chamber pots down there. Do you think they clean you know, it what, out every year? I doubt it. No, no just no, keep going. No, no, And, you know, animal carcasses, rotting vegetation, um, 
anything like that. So I think it would have been very smelly. I think living in medieval times, whatever level you were at was I very think, smelly. I think it was pretty smelly. Whether you were a castle or whether you were in a hovel in the town. Yeah. Um, you know, open sewers, no, yeah. no recycling, you know, it was all... Lynx deodorant hadn't been invented, of course, <laughs> for several more years. I think you'd have needed a very powerful one to, to overcome <laughs> smells from, from there. So um, I think probably what they, they possibly filled this with a lot of decomposing matter when Edward was held here because they wanted the noxious fumes to, you know, to knock him out. That was probably one of the ways. Oh, that really? They, well, I, that's one of the stories that um, they hoped that he would, it would help his demise by being knocked out by these noxious fumes. Because it really is right next to yeah. where he was. Yes. Yes. The guy must have had a pretty robust constitution. But like Jane said, living in the Middle Ages was pretty stinky in general. Maybe he just didn't notice the smell after a while. I mean, after a year of living on my own, I hardly register the overwhelming stench of Lynx Africa and burnt potato smileys. These days, the pit is full of a different kind of junk. There's the odd trainer down there, I think. We've had the odd school child sort of doing, you know this with the trainer on the edge and it's gone plop really and it stays down you there you might of iPhones accidentally dropped well, down there well uh, we, yes and, and at weddings guests with fascinators you have to warn them not to lean too far oh, over of course. Yeah, yeah. because it might end up down there I'm going to step away from it now you've got me, you've got me nervous <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a very good place to leave it before I lean over and go plop thanks for listening to this episode until next time don't trip up the steps. Watch out for pokers, allegedly. And mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite Bad Manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomized Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton, it was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport, and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore, and our production coordinator is Bella Salini. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.